This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. This is the Art of Less Doing, Podcast 45. I'm so glad that you've all been able to tune in and listen to this. I'm really excited about today's interview. I'm going to be talking with Christine Co of Minimalist Parenting. And basically, uh, she just tweeted that she felt like we were separated at birth. I couldn't agree more. We are so similar on our thinking about productivity, and it matches up so well with putting the focus on parenting. I'm really uh, happy that I got a chance to speak to her, and I think you're all going to enjoy this interview. I just want to make a couple quick notes, which one is that on November 25th and 26th, which may be the day that this podcast comes out, I will be doing my Creative Live seminar in San Francisco, which you can tune into live for free to hear everything I've ever done and compiled having to do with productivity, biohacking, virtual assistants, you name it. So if you want to enroll in that, you can go to bit.ly, so that's bit.ly slash less doing live. And then of course, the book, the Art of Less Doing book, which is called Less Doing More Living, is available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a bunch of other places. And if you order multiple copies, there's some really cool gifts coming your way. So check that out, and let's have a talk with Christine. Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Christine Co, co-author of Minimalist Parenting. Hi, Christine. Hey, how are you? Great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, so it, first of all, it, can you just tell everybody you know, in 15, 20 seconds, really, what Minimalist Parenting is, because we're going to get into a lot of details, so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, minimalist parenting, um, I should say maybe perhaps what it, it's not. It's not about living with one chair or um, no toilet paper. Asha and I really believe in toilet paper. <laughs> but it's really a book about lifestyle editing and um, how to free up uh, degrees of freedom in your life so that you can focus on the things that you care about and are awesome to you and let go of the rest. So. Anybody who's ever listened to this show should know that that's almost the exact kind of credo that I believe. So this is a, this is a really this is going to be a good conversation. So how did this come about? First of all, how did how did, did were you? How many kids do you have? <laughs> I have I have two. Uh, like you, I have a toddler, a very rambunctious toddler. I have a two year old and a nine year old, and wow. um, yeah, it's it's a big gap. And you know, Asha and I have both been blogging for a long time, and. You know, over time, not only do we have similar philosophies about things, but over time, as each of us were sort of separately posting about a different way of doing things, a way of taking things down a notch, taking, you know, pulling the reins back a bit, um, our readerships, you know, separate readerships uh, would really respond. And it was almost this feeling of, oh, it's okay to do this. You know, I, I sort of need some confirmation that it's okay to do this. And um, we didn't. Uh, I had the idea for this book a few years ago, and when I asked her to write the book with me, she, you know, said yes, and it was just the most wonderful partnership. We ended up, we just have a lot of shared philosophies, and ended up having a really, really wonderful working partnership on it. Right, and and, and um, so just to be uh, credit wise, uh, so your, your co-author's name is Asha Dorn, right? 
And, Arsha Dornfest. Yeah, yes, she right, writes Parent Hacks. Yeah. Right, Parent Hacks, which I've actually sort of I've uh, linked to before. So it's a really cool blog, and uh, it, it's uh, it's a really cool collaboration that you guys got to take advantage of. So, how many kids does she have? She has two. Her kids are older. I think they're um, ten and thirteen. Thereabouts. So you know our lenses were a little bit different on kind of what the priorities were and you know tweens is a it's a different ball game right <laughs> so we could cover the, the cover the spectrum of babies to, to tweens which was good cool okay so uh, first of all i'm definitely i mean i highly recommend that anybody who either has kids or is thinking about kids read the book but i without rehashing too much i do want to discuss several of the concepts that you go over uh in in your writing the first one i actually want to talk about is food so i think that uh Meal planning is already difficult enough for single people. It seems to be very difficult for people who are just couples and have busy jobs. But what do you tell people you know, who, who just sort of throw their hands up and they, they don't think that they can have home-cooked meals when they have kids and they, they, it's just too hard? Yeah, I, I mean, it is challenging. And, you know, I, I should say that, you know, we have this book. And for me, it's still, it's always, every day is a work in progress. You know, you don't just have it, have it sorted out one day. But... Um, with the food, I think, you know, two major things. One is to automate kind of the pieces that you can automate. So I, I wrote this post once jokingly calling it crockpots are sexy. <laughs> but, but it, it, you know, it really, it's, it's, I actually, I have a vegetarian, one of my older daughters is a vegetarian. My younger one has a bunch of allergies. So even though I'm a firm believer in like one meal, everybody gets one meal, sometimes that's a little challenging. So things like crockpots where you can automate things are really important. The second one, which uh, point that I have, which is a, bigger challenge for parents um, and I think is so important is to really bring your kids into the kitchen when you can and have them work with you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had both of my girls in the kitchen with me from very early on and now my nine-year-old, she can make chocolate cake from scratch. She's made us dinner. I mean, there there is payoff to (laughs) moving your kids into these important life skills. It's, It's really, really important. That's really cool. So one of the things that I'm often recommending for people with families is is part of my batching fundamental where I'll tell people that maybe they should just spend a Sunday for a couple hours and make, you know, all their lunches for the week, for instance, and they can freeze those or divide them up rather than having that, the, the scramble at the end of the day to try to really stress and figure out what they're going to make each time. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the ones that I'm personally interested in, especially since I have three kids now, uh, and I'm, I basically resigned myself to not even consider this for at least a year, but traveling. Oh yeah, you know, um, I mean, obviously, you, three three is different. You're you're outnumbered, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're in zone defense, as I call right. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I I actually I, I kind of am a fan of. I traveled a lot when um, my older one is is very easy. The younger one, um, I traveled a lot when she was a baby because you know you just kind of hoist of them course. up and take them around. Um, traveling with her with toddlers is definitely a bit different. I'm not particularly interested right now in doing like a cross-country um, airplane trip with, you know, the toddler. However, I will say that we've done a couple of um, like overnight, maybe two-hour max drive type trips lately, and she's been great. You know, I I, I find actually that um, my little one, who's definitely the rambunctious one, is way better behaved when we're on the road and going somewhere and seeing different things. It's It's been, I've been experimenting with this a lot lately, and um it's actually inspiring me to do more travel because I think, you know, I think travel in general is wonderful for kids and for families, but 
for her personality in particular, I think it's really good to be away from home. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, I, I have yet to uh, try that experiment particularly, but um, so uh, what, one of the things obviously that, that is a huge component that comes up with, even without kids, but especially with kids is sort of that work-life balance. Mm. So I, for instance, uh, my wife and I are just now basically going to consider putting, or not consider, we are going to be putting my older son into daycare a couple days a week. And we both work at home and we're both around all the time, but we've actually been finding like that he needs to sort of, you know, be around other kids, not so much us. So I found that it was hard for me to let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a, a trip coming up in a couple of days where I'm going to be gone for three days, and it's the first time I've ever been away that long from any of my kids. And it's oh, wow. like, yeah, it's like it's really deal. hard. Yeah, it's really hard. So people have that. Obviously, everyone has that experience to different degrees. And at the at the very least, it's you know can be feelings of guilt about wanting to work or wanting to still pursue the things that you wanted to pursue or, or new ideas that you even come up with. You know, there are a lot of people who have startups and they have kids and they have high power jobs and they have kids. So how do you, first of all, psychologically and emotionally, how do you sort of, you know, coach people on that as, as how they can look at these things? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, that first transition of when you're sending a child to daycare or whatever it may be is really hard. So, I mean, I would say, Definitely cut yourself some slack. You know, there may you may be cry, there may be tears in the parking lot. They may be yours, or the, or they could be your your kids. And you know, that's that's normal and expected. And and every kid will be different. I mean, my first um, both of my kids are and were in you know daycare because I've I've always worked. And um, the first one, it would be sobbing and crying drop offs. I mean, really the drop off that no parent wants to have. The second one, you know, basically runs off to the toys and ignores me when I leave. So it's <laughs> it's going to be a different a different experience. But I mean, I think that you know, I'm a firm believer in um, you know, I'm, I've got an entrepreneurial spirit like you do, and I'm a I'm a firm believer in running after the things that light you up and bring you joy. And um, for me. Well, I, I should say that my work life has not always been that because in my f- former life I was a, a music and brain neuroscientist and yeah, was not yeah. really into that work very much. Um, but since becoming you know freelance and doing all these kind of multimedia creative type projects, that work really does light me up. And so it's important for me to um, go and do things. And I think it's important for kids to see their parents have passion for things and you know creative ideas. And uh, you know I know that my my girls, especially my older one, I mean, now she says stuff like, you know, when I grow up, I want to work with you and I want to be a designer with you and, and things. And I just feel like she's learning that, you know, she can, it sounds a little cheesy, ABC after school special, but, you know, she's really learning that she can kind of identify something and go after it. And I find that incredibly exciting. Oh, absolutely. There was a statistic that I always used to quote when I was younger uh, because I I started my first company when I was 12. And, um, (laughs) but but yeah, and both my parents were entrepreneurs. And the quote was, and I think it was from the NIFTI, the National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship, but basically it said that something like 75% of young entrepreneurs uh, came from households where the father was physically or emotionally absent um, Mm -hmm. and the mother was overbearing. So, uh, there's that right away i think sounds like a bad thing but it really actually i think comes out as a good thing because the father being physically or emotionally absent means that you're sort of 
they're probably absent for a reason, hopefully, you know, maybe they're working or they're, or they're doing something, right. but it gives you something to sort of strive for, I guess, in a way. And then the mother being overbearing means that you sort of have that cushion that it's mm -hmm. like you can't do something mm -hmm. wrong. So I feel like that's a perfect squeeze for entrepreneurs in a way. But the point is, I completely agree that, that showing, sh leading by example is probably one of the best things you can do. And quite honestly, it's probably one of the easiest things that you can do rather than trying to manufacture something uh, or teach something that you're not necessarily doing. Right, right. And, you know, you had mentioned the, the sort of desire to socialize too for, you know, your your son. And I think that's, um, it, it is, I mean, it is great. I mean, especially, I mean, you have a lot of, um, now you have three kids, but um, since the two of them, the two younger ones are probably getting and in need of a lot of attention, I mean, that seems like a, also a good time for him to kind of go and make right. some new peeps. And I, I'm a fan. I I think if you also, if you have the right place, you know, our daycare for Violet, the little one, is just wonderful. And she actually talks about her friends there and she's two years old. So it's it's really, it's nice. Yeah, and we actually found a really nice place. But and, and that was another interesting thing, which I'm sure you'll have a take on, uh, especially since you sent them to daycare, is there's everyone seems to have pros and cons about having a nanny or having or going to daycare or all the, the different methods of sort of other than parent child care. And we had a mother's helper for a while, which was great, which was basically just an extra pair of hands. But again, you know, we were both home and, and it would make it difficult for my older son if we, like, he didn't want to be left with anybody. If we were there, oh, why, yeah. why would he play with the other person? So I actually originally used to be really kind of not afraid, but just uh, taken aback by daycare because I was like, well, why, you know, I'm here. Like, why wouldn't we just have someone else, you know, help a little bit? But it's, it's, it's actually a really interesting option. And I think it's, it's kind of magical, what we, the one that we found. Yeah, I mean, for the for our younger one, um, and it's I got to say, the reality is it is expensive, and so it, you need to. Well, in Boston, in the Boston area, it's really expensive, and less so, than a nanny for us. Oh, really? Yeah, I, and I think I mean, often at times, a nanny solution works if you've got multiple kids, and you know, you can sort of get the benefit of, of more kids. But for us, our kids are so far apart that right. the older one's in elementary school. We're not worried about paying for that anymore. And then, you know, the younger one, um, this was just the right option for her. She needs to get out of the house. She likes being out and doing things. And she's clearly like the adventurer, you know? <laughs> so, um, it, you know, it's good. I mean, it's going to be different for different children too. Of course. And, and by the way, we have an adventurous type too. My, my wife's my, so I, I'm actually the crier if I'm going to, we're going to drop off the kids. <laughs> My wife's biggest concern is that our, our son is going to run away because he's just, he climbs everything and he like oh. opens fire doors. Um, so. he's, re he's resourceful. He's resourceful. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. So shifting a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about schedules, but more for the adult side. So sleep is one thing, which I actually do want to get to, but, but work wise, did you find yourself like designating sort of pockets of time that were work time in the beginning before they were at daycare and stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, it, it it always is a challenge, but I think it's very important. You know, one, especially if you're if you're working out of home in some way, to um, carve out specific windows and have that help. Um, and it's also really helpful to have a door to, to close to sort of separate because in in our you know our a last really slippery flat, stairs. Yeah, in our last flat, my office was in the dining room, and oh, it was just a disaster. Um, but now, you know, I have an office. I close the door, and um, you know, actually on Wednesdays, my mom is here with the girls after school, and and I can hear, you know, Violet is saying, "My mom will come down at five thirty. You know, she <laughs> she you know she knows, but she knows like not to go beyond the door. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think you do need to, you really do need to carve out things. And I actually find, you know, since you're a productivity guy, I mean, I think that when you have really defined pockets of time, you can just be really focused and, and, and they're uninterrupted. You know, if they're carved out, you've got help. Right. You can just power through stuff. And that, that's how I am. I'm like the laser focused person and I maximize the time that I have. Um, so I can just be, I can be more present, you know, when I, when I'm off the clock, you know, with work and with the kids. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, for the longest time, I was scheduling all meetings between, you know, 11 and 1, which was my older son's nap time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, That's tough I, when they don't go down, then. Yes, of course. Um, there were, I've done several calls and a couple interviews like this with a baby and a baby born. I understand, um, yeah. But, uh, of course, then there's, you know, the 8, 8 p.m. and on hour, which fortunately for me was the, the time that worked best for writing. But... Uh, no, it, it is a, it's a very good point, and I, and I, I talk about this a lot. So th this is actually what I wanted to get to because I know you mentioned about multitasking in your book, and one of the things that I'm always pushing people on is to sort of avoid this um, a gear shift mentality where you're constantly switching back and forth between tasks. And it's very easy, I feel like, for people to be like, oh, I can check my email while I'm playing with the kid or something. But your focus tends to drift from one to the other, I feel like. So oh, yeah. it is very hard. Yeah. And I mean, you can certainly look things up. You can, you know, you can, you can probably make phone calls while you're playing, you know, in a park with your kids, but realistically being able to separate them and, and, and say, okay, look, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes and then I'm going to go do this is better. So you, you have a whole section on multitask or, you know, a couple of paragraphs on multitasking. So just speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, at the risk of sounding woo-woo, you know, some people are into it, some people aren't, but to this language, but I really, really feel like it's um, valuable to both the grown-ups and kids if you can be present in whatever it is you're doing. So if you're at work, you know, be there. Um, and, you know, when your kids, you know, be there. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I, I struggle with it. And if I, if I know I've got a client like over my head and, I, and I'm concerned about that, that is definitely on my mind. But you know, I really try to, um, my husband and I, you know, do sort of devices off like at dinner and after dinner, sort of before bedtime to try to kind of carve that out. And, um, you know, even with my, my two girls now, I've realized, I, I don't know if you'll come up against this when your kids get a little older too, and are sort of more kind of protective of their time with you. But I found that when the, the baby came, my older one ended up getting the short end of the stick a lot. And so actually now I've, um, carved out one day a week after school where it's I block it off in my meeting like in my calendar like a recurring meeting every Thursday afternoon and it's just us and we're together and I, I actually hashtag it Thursdays with Laurel and sometimes I'll like post the projects and you know what's great though is that I did that as a joke but then people were asking me what is this Thursdays with Laurel thing and I told yeah. them and other people started doing it and I was so happy you know people were realizing that it's it can be challenging to do one-on-one -on -one time with your kids, but even an hour or, you know, two hours is incredibly meaningful for them. And, you know, that's stuff they remember. Well, and it's funny that you said, so there's the hashtagging thing. I actually tell people, it's like, it's not a bad thing for you to schedule personal time. That doesn't mean that you're, oh, yeah. that you're like an OCD, crazy workaholic. It means that you're an efficient person that's used to scheduling time. So oh, yeah. why wouldn't you schedule that time to be free to do things? It's, it, mm -hmm. uh, the, I think you called it serendipity moments, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, I think that's a very, very reasonable way to approach this stuff. It's like you, you have to, if, you, if, you, if you're going to expect yourself to be in a productive mindset, then you have to stay in a productive mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, well, that's, uh, that's very cool. So uh, 
writing is, I, I think, is a particularly interesting challenge when you have kids. Uh, it's it's hard. I feel like at the end of a day to. Or, or you know whether you're writing at the end of the day or not, but it's hard to sort of click into a creative mode, I guess. Mm -hmm, you know, so mm -hmm. I found with me with writing my book, which which is coming out next uh, April. But I, I, oh, I exciting! Thank Yay. you. Yeah, thank you. Keep me posted. Keep me posted. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, I found that with uh, with writing that book, I I really had to sort of go against my nature of and outline things because I am not an I'm. I'm not a good outliner. I'm not a good planner when it comes to writing stuff. I'd rather just like sit down and just open the brain door and let it go. Yeah. But I found with that, like I really had to sort of prompt myself throughout the day and give myself, uh, I guess, like an ease into it. You know. So how did how what was your methodology for? For creative, being creative, honestly. Yeah, you, I, it's so funny, Ari. I feel like we have so many, so many work style similarities. It's really yeah. interesting. But um, so for right, well, writing the book, um, it's interesting. I don't know if you know Julia Cameron of the Artist Way, and I, I didn't go yeah, through her whole workbook program. But um, what my husband did, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting that he talked about with her method is this sort of letting go of the inner critic. And just writing. And I think that is so important for writers. For I mean, for anybody who wants to have, who has an idea and is maybe scaring themselves off of the idea before they even give it a chance to grow. So with minimalist parenting, actually, I would sit down every morning. Um, and again, I had it on my calendar as a recurring meeting. Do not disturb. Turn off all social media. And I would just write for an hour. And, uh, you know, Asha and I were writing it all on Google Docs. You know, each mm -hmm. chapter was a separate yep. doc. And I just said, I warned her, I said, you're going to see a lot of brain dumping. This is just kind of what I do. I'm going to brain dump like crazy and then I'll clean it up later. And uh, it was just, you know, I have to say, I, I know most authors do not say this, but writing that book was the most joyful process. It was so, for me, it was so free and so open. I mean, obviously it was a topic about which I was very passionate. And, um, you know, it turned out that Dasha and I also have very... Um, intersecting kind of work styles where she's very a very big picture thinker and I'm very kind of bottom up details and so the two things really merged well uh, when we wrote it and many people have commented on the fact that it actually sounds like one voice throughout which I think is can be a challenge when you have a co-authored book absolutely and that's that's really funny actually sorry that just that just sort of brought back a couple of memories for me of different things um, so <laughs> that, I, I I understand where you're coming from, and and, and obviously the, the the work product was great. And I, I agree, it does actually flow very well. Uh, there's there's spots where there's pictures of the of either one of you in the book. Yeah. And so other, otherwise, honestly, I don't think I would have would have recognized the the sort of shift. So let's talk about an obvious one, which is sleep. Uh, are you low on it? <laughs> well, you know what. <laughs> so I, I am a uh, I am a biohacker, and as part of that, I'm always working on. I've never been a big sleeper ever, and I've always been an early riser ever since I, 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 I've been working in construction for, for I don't know, four, 13 years now or 12 years and, and you know, up at 4.15 every morning. So uh, sleep has never been a big deal for me. And there are lots of little tips and tricks that I use to help myself sleep better and also other people sleep better. I'm also fortunately one of those people who could, I mean, if, if I wasn't focusing, I could fall asleep in the middle of this interview with you if I wanted to because I just... <laughs> I not not speaking to you at all. You, you will be present in your sleeping. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm like hit hit the pillow and I'm out. And uh, but then I'm you know a baby wakes up and that's it. I, in fact, my sister in law and brother in law are staying with us right now and they have a um, three year old and a another six month old. And so 
in the middle of the night, it really takes me about a good 20 seconds to realize which baby is crying in the house and <laughs> if it's one that I have to get up for. Right. So uh, what, what, how do you kind of deal with that? Not only deal with the sleep itself, but maintain you know, productivity. Yeah, well, I will say that um, I this is one area where we differ in that I love sleeping, and <laughs> and I, I mean I poor would you. love I, yeah poor me indeed. Um, I I mean I would love in an ideal world to get eight eight to ten hours of sleep and I and I'd be so happy. Um, but I think that you know if you're talking about in terms of sort of survival for um, early parenting, I think one of the best things that uh, which I, I'm sure I talk about in the book, but. Um, one of the best things my husband and I did was the swap off. And so, you know, you will sleep better if you explicitly know you are off duty. And we do this to this day. I mean, we started it when Laurel was a baby and we do it now with Violet. Um, and every night one of us is on to get up if the baby gets up. And um, when it's not my night, I'm just, you know, I just like sleep very, very happily. And um, I, I think the other thing with sleep is um, it's a little bit tricky. I know, you know, you've mentioned the evening hours for working and, to some degree, if I think if I were left to my own devices, I would just stay up until two or three in the morning and work on stuff because I, I love the peace of the house and how quiet it is. On the other hand, then I get up the next morning and I'm a total zombie. So I think it's it's important to recognize what your body needs. I mean, clearly you and I have individual differences on what we need. And um, for productivity's sake, I think you need to figure out, okay, it's time you know to go to bed, to unwind if, if you're somebody who needs a, a specific amount of sleep for sure. Right. Um, th th so the swap off is interesting, and, and I want people to sort of take note of that, that it's, it, it's not just that you're giving yourself a night off or vice versa. It's that you're really setting that expectation that when you go to sleep, you're going to be able to sleep through the night and not yeah. worry about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good tip. Um, okay. So can you tell me a couple of technological things that you found sort of indispensable in terms of being able to manage life and kids? Oh, um, you, you like little tech tech hack. Whether it's things. a website or a, or an op oh, or yeah. a device or something that you found just indispensable. Yeah, I mean, I would say right now, um, a couple of things that I I absolutely rely on. One is um, Wonderlist <laughs> for my to do list. It's a free. Um, I used to uh, I used to use Outlook on this other machine, and it was horrible, and everything was like locked onto my machine. It was horrible. So now I use Wonderlist for. Um, keeping all my to-dos straight, whether it's work, home, you know, it syncs up automatically so I can use it on the web when I'm on my laptop or on my phone. And that's enormously, I'm a huge list maker. I just can't hold it all in my brain. So it's just really important to get it all down. And, and both Asha and I are fans of lists. Um, I would say if you are um, sort of an, if you're, if you're a writer and a creator of content and you're a photographer at any level, I would say right now my phone, I have a um, they, I just bought this on my own, but I have the Galaxy S4, and the phone is the the um, camera is phenomenal, and so a lot of the the blogging images that I take are are just with my phone because I always have it with me. So that's super handy, and also you know super handy for catalog cataloging your kids. And I think last year with our Christmas card, all of the photos on the Christmas card were from my phone. So you know for parents, a good camera on your phone is really indispensable. Um, and then Google Calendar. Google calendars. The only with my husband, uh, you know, we we sync up our calendars. Not literally. We actually sit down old fashioned and talk through the calendar. But um, we do these calendar check ins just to kind of see 
you know, especially if things are getting too crazy, where we can cut things out. Um, it's really important, I think, to edit your calendars and to-do lists as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. I, we, we have uh, a shared calendar for my wife and I. We also have a shared calendar for kid stuff, which is mm-hmm. which I've found to be really useful. Um, that's those are those are some very very good tips for sure. Uh, so one of the the things that well, I'm sorry, the, the thing that I always ask people at the end of the podcast is, what are your top three personal productivity tips for? What are the things that just make you more effective in, you know, in every day, in every way? Okay, yeah, I would say um, a big one is, and everybody talks about this, but it's really important, it is saying no to things. Good one. And, yeah, and, and it's really important. And one of the things that I've, as I've talked, you know, I go and I talk to parent groups and various things, and I've discovered that I think one of the reasons that it's so hard for us to say no is because we don't like to lie and have to make up a really good excuse. And so I tell people, you don't have to make up an excuse. All you need to do is to decline gracefully and just say no. And once I personally realized that with my own, you know, work and personal scheduling, I just my productivity just shot up through I could just bounce back those emails, get them out of my inbox. They weren't hanging over me. So, you know, and then you you I also like to tell people to think of every time you say something say no to something you don't want to do as a degree of freedom and an opportunity to say yes to something totally awesome in the future or, you know, take care of yourself and, or do nothing at all. Um, you know, it's, it's huge. Saying no is huge. Um, I think a second one, it's, it's funny. I, I, we talk about outsourcing in the book as much as you can. And I recently read an entrepreneur.com article about the sort of 80, 20 rule and the idea of getting outsourcing those $10 an hour tasks. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of that too, is, is, you know, Asha, I remember actually one time last year when I was in this huge, just colossal work meltdown, so many things coming down on me. And Asha said, you know, Christine, you need to focus on the things that only you can do and then outsource as much of the rest as possible. And once I finally, you know, and it's hard when you're a control freak, right? But once it, once I started doing that, my life, like, it just got so much better. And then all of a sudden I had all these creative ideas that kept popping because they weren't all hindered by these things that, you know, these $10 an hour tasks that I was kind of mired down in. Um, and then I think third is is to just continually be in um, an editing mode with your, whether it's with your calendar or with your to-do list or, you know, with the stuff around you. Um, you know, the calendar one is a big one because as parents, especially as working people and then parents, you know, we get bogged down with a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, my husband and I try to do regular check-ins where we look at the calendar and if it just seems too full across a certain span of time, um, we just start, you know, declining and letting go of stuff and and saying no without excuses. Um, So those things have been really, really helpful for for me on the productivity side. So uh, those are all wonderful suggestions. Uh, it goes without saying that I'm, I'm a big fan of everything you just mentioned, outsourcing and automating, of course. Incidentally, my number one resource for uh, parenting, technological resource, is Amazon Subscribe and Save. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today was Amazon Subscribe and Save Day, did by the way. A big, did you get a big load of diapers on your, on your door? <laughs> oh, yes. And two sizes. We got, we got nine <laughs> boxes today. I got wipes. Oh, my gosh. Two sizes of diapers and uh, paper towels and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, those are great. Uh, so Christine, where can everybody find out more about you? And, and the book is obviously on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Where, where can they find out more about you? 
they can find out more about me at, at christineco.com. Um, I think Asha has ashadormfest.com, but I, I, I we'll should link to both of those in the show. Notes. I might be speaking about that in error. Um, my, you know, my flagship bo- blog um, is bostonmamas.com, but you know, it's and it's more than Boston, so you know, it's got a national following, which is really really nice. But um, and beautifully redesigned thanks to outsourcing. Nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, it's it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, you know, I if your readers have any questions at any point, just you know. Uh, readers and listeners, um, just sync up with me because obviously this is a topic that we're both passionate about, and um, you know it's it's important. We all deserve to do less crap and like more stuff we feel happy about. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast with Ari Mizell. For more ways to make everything in your life easier, head over to lessdoing.com. And also on Twitter at twitter.com slash Ari Mizell or Facebook at facebook.com slash less doing. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. It's greatly appreciated. You can learn the art of less doing, getting started with biohacking, and how to make Gmail, IFTTT, and virtual assistants your ultimate productivity toolbox at udemy.com slash less doing. Until next time, keep optimizing, automating, and outsourcing everything you do.